Good morning, New City. I'm Tammy Metters. And I'm Travis. Tammy, I love the ugly Christmas sweater. This isn't my ugly Christmas sweater. Ooh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> well, anyway, we are so glad that you're all here today. <laughs> and if you're new with us, we want to welcome you to New City. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'd love the chance to get to know you and start connecting mm. with you. You can drop by Connection Point this morning or go to newcity.us slash connect. Yeah, we'd love to connect. Hey, I want to invite each of you into a conversation and opportunity that we have here at New City coming up. Every year on Christmas Eve, we take up what's called our Christmas Eve serve offering where every penny goes out the door. We don't take, we don't keep any of it for ourselves. And this year, as we've been talking a lot as a leadership team, trying to figure out where do we want that money to go, a word has come up, the topic of displacement. We know that even in Charlotte, the effects of COVID continue to happen so much so that we know that an estimated 22,000 people in this city are expected to not be able to pay their rent and therefore not sure where they're gonna live. But another major event that has happened in our world that has come to us that we are all aware of has been the Afghan refugee crisis. You may not know this or not, but over 100,000 have already come into the states and are trying to figure out where they're gonna go. Charlotte is gonna be potentially one of these cities where people are gonna to come to. And we've really wrestled with this is to say, what does it mean for the local church to invest in that? And how can we step into this arena? And we're excited to say that we don't have all the answers. We don't know exactly what that's all gonna look like yet but we feel a strong conviction that we as a church want to step into this, both from a financial standpoint and from just the opportunity to come alongside and, and love on these people. So we invite you to pray with us about that and think about this. We'll have more info over the coming weeks, but we want to at least invite you into the, the conversation and the opportunity today. Yeah, that's great. And this announcement is for all the New City ladies out there. Is anyone already starting to feel the stress of the Christmas season? Yeah. Yeah, well, we've designed an event to refresh us, to laugh, to have a lot of fun. We're calling it the Pop-Up Christmas Party, and POP stands POP. for Peace on Purpose. On and purpose. Jen Payne and I will lead a discussion on what disrupts our peace, yeah. but also how we can remain in peace throughout hmm. Christmas. This event is Wednesday night, December 15th at 7 o'clock in the South Park Worship Center, and you can get all those details and register nice. at the events page, newcity.us slash events. So that's, that's my birthday, by the way. <gasps> is it really? So can I come and eat? Some of the brownies. Yes, right? absolutely. And you can even help us clean up afterwards. Not worth it. All right. Hey, final thing I want to let you know about tonight, Jingle Jam at the Matthews campus, 5 o'clock. We hope you can come to this. Invite a friend. Go to the website if you want to learn more. It's going to be a wonderful opportunity tonight, 5 o'clock to yes, 630. So much fun. Yep. Well, December's a month of giving because of the gift of mm. Jesus. And thank you so much for your giving to New City. And if you want to give today, you can do so easily at newcity.us give or in one of the giving boxes in the lobbies. Good morning. Good 
morning. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm excited to welcome each of you here. If you're visiting with us for the first time or you're watching on New City Live, wherever you might be, we're grateful to have you joining us as we start our Christmas series. And let's just all take a a deep breath together as we enter into this Advent season. Maybe some of you feel this way. I saw this picture this week that might describe how you feel inside about Christmas. This complicated relationship with Christmas because we love it, but it also um, like does something inside of us, right? Um, I don't think that Christmas like causes anxiety. I think what happens at Christmas is it pulls out stuff that's already there. And then, you know, we just say, I'm fine, I'm fine. Everything's fine, everything's fine. But inside, you know, we're, we're just like many of you have found your lights this week, putting them back up. Somehow you can string your lights out, right? And then between January and December, they find a way to like, you know, tangle back up. And that happens on the inside for us too. And, and again, at Christmas, I think because of two things. I think because of pressure, or another word would be like expectations. Any of you, you don't have to raise your hand. Any of you feel expectations at Christmas? Like family members? expectations from family members or, or friends or just like things that you think need to happen. So like pressures. And then the second thing I think that pulls out anxiety or fears from us uh, is pace. Um, Margaret Thatcher said, you know, uh, fatigue makes cowards of us all. So when we're, when we're, when we're running really hard, it, it just pulls out stuff that's already there. And so a lot of times we think, well, the Christmas season, you know, just is a time where we feel anxious, whatever. But it's not really Christmas. It's the pace and the pressure that we, that we feel at Christmas. And, 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 and the, the great thing is that, that, that Jesus, as he announces um, salvation for, for all of us, as the Christmas story is announced and, and, and comes to be Emmanuel, God with us, uh, really first and foremost is not just an announcement. It's an acknowledgement of your fears and your anxieties, of my fears and anxieties. And, and so um, there's, a, there's, a, there's actually two words that like the Christmas announcement all throughout the gospels is predicated with, and you may be familiar with this, but I think it's really important as we start a Christmas series here. Um, the two words that kind of come with every single announcement of, of Jesus and, and God being with us and, and the answer to, to what ails humanity and our sin, our brokenness. Do you remember those two words? Fear not. Fear not. And, and those two words come in, in four announcements. And these are going to be the four messages of our series that come through the angels, uh, specifically through Gabriel. And, and in each of his announcements of the Christmas narrative as a part of the story and God being with us and his answer for salvation and, and, and being with us in relationship, it starts uh, not just with an announcement about God being with us, but with an acknowledgement of, of our fears and our anxieties. So isn't that interesting? That like the Christmas story is nested in your story, that it's found in your story. And that the announcement of Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel, the answer to our fears and anxieties begins with an acknowledgement that we are anxious and we do have fears. There's these four specific announcements with these, these four specific fears. The first one is, and see if these resonate with you. The first one is that, that God hasn't heard me. God hasn't heard me. I've been, I've been asking for this, I've been, I've been praying for this and it doesn't seem like God hears my, my prayers and that leads to disillusionment and, and sometimes even disappointment with God. Philip Yancey wrote an incredible work called Disappointment with God. 
And so the first fear is like, God, you're not, you're not listening to me. You don't, you don't hear me. And, and, and the, second, the second fear is that I'm not, I'm not seen by God. And maybe, I'm, maybe another way to say it is I'm, I'm not good enough to be seen by God. I'm not significant enough. I, I come from this obscure village and I'm, I'm young and, and, and am, I, am I really seen by, by God? I'm, I'm kind of out of the way. Maybe you feel that way in your life and maybe God doesn't fully see me. Here's the third fear any of these are resonating with you. The first is I'm not heard by God. The second is I'm not seen by God. Here's the third fear that's addressed by the Christmas story. God's not really working. I mean, I know God's working in general, but he's not really working in my life and in my story. And, 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 and it doesn't seem like God is working all things together for good. I, I just can't see how any of the things that are happening in my life, and maybe you resonate with this today, could be used for good. And that's the, the third fear is, you know, God's not really working in my life. And I'm not really sure that he could take, you know, what is my life right now and all the brokenness and pain and, and use it somehow for, for something good and, and for his glory. And here's the fourth one. And we're going to talk about this on Christmas Eve. There's nothing good and no one good coming for me. At the end of all of this, there's, there's nothing good. There's no, no one good who's looking for me, who's who's coming for me. I heard a therapist one time say that everyone is born looking for someone who's looking for them. And that's the message of Christmas. But many of us fear that no one's looking for us, that nothing and no one good is coming. And so the message of Christmas isn't just information as we start this series. It's not, this isn't just information. Hopefully there'll be great information and knowledge to impart here from God's word and you'll, you'll grow and learn. But the message of Christmas was, was not just information. God didn't just write it in the clouds as information. It was a confirmation, the message of Christmas was, that God's with us that God's moving, that God's working. And so each of the four announcements of, of, that the angels did say are more than just announcements. They're an acknowledgement first and foremost of our stories, of our fears, of our concerns, of our anxieties, of our, of our brokenness. And I, I think this is something that's so beautiful about the Christian narrative is that, that God came to us. You know, um, every single other religion basically is predicated on the idea that you've got to get to God. You've got to pray a certain prayer. You've got to uh, walk a certain path. You've got to do certain things to, to move your way towards God and prove your worthiness for God to give you his attention, to see you, to, 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 to hear your prayers, to, to work in your life, to come and look for you. The message of Christianity stands alone in saying that God came to you. God moved towards you. God looked upon you. God heard your prayers. You know, statistics tell us that 22%, only 22%, listen to this, only 22% of Americans say they could share the Christmas story with a friend or a neighbor. Not like that they're afraid to do it. I mean, that's a barrier too. But like that they, can, they actually know the story that they could, they could share the narrative of what is the narrative of all narratives, that God came to us, that God is with us, and that the, the story of God with us is, is, again, I love this word, like it's, it's nested in our stories. It's found, it meets us in, in our world, in our brokenness, in our 
our anxieties. And so if we, if we take a, a step closer to the story, what, what we're going to see in these four announcements is that, is that God moved into our anxieties and fears and actually in the, the announcement of Jesus is speaking directly to our hearts and the things that we wonder about, like are we seen, are we heard, is God working, is God, is God coming for me? So here's, here's the four messages, just if, you're, if you want to chart out the series and you want to read ahead, I've, I put the passages on there too if you want to do some reading before the messages. Today we're going to talk about this first story that kind of kicks off the, the Christmas announcement and, and meets us in our story and fears and brokenness is the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it's found in Luke chapter 1 if you want to be turning there, uh, verses 5 through 25. Next week, we're going to talk about the story of Mary that, that comes right after this uh, in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26 and goes all the way through verse 38. And then on the 19th, uh, we're going to talk about Joseph and we're going to flip over to the gospel of Matthew and talk about his story and the, the announcement and the word from, from Gabriel to, to Joseph and his fears and his anxieties. And then lastly, on Christmas Eve together, I hope you'll make plans to be here and bring somebody on your arm with you, bring somebody to sit with you and just say, hey, come with me. You know, uh, over and over again, people say when they're asked, hey, what would it take for you to come to church? And it's if a trusted friend invited them to come with them. And so Christmas Eve will be a great chance to do that. We've got services. If you're watching online, we'll have an online service, but we'd love for you to be here if you're in the Charlotte area at 1, 3, and 5 p.m. at South Park and, and Matthews. And we're gonna talk about the shepherds. And not only Gabriel, but a multitude of angels uh, giving a message. And interesting, those, those four fears, like, uh, you know, I'm not, gonna be, I'm not gonna be heard by God. God doesn't hear me. Uh, God doesn't see me, right? Uh, God's not working. Uh, no one good, nothing good is coming for me are all addressed in these stories. These fears and these anxieties that each of these individuals had. And so let's start today with Zachariah and Elizabeth from Luke chapter one and this, this kind of bottom line idea that, that the angel says, Gabriel uh, said to them, the angel did say, fear not, uh, your prayer has, has, been, has been answered. God has, God has heard you, God, God hears your prayers. Let's, let's start the teaching with um, just an understanding about, about angels, um, because this is a, a topic that many people are interested in. And um, as we talk about the angel did say and the message that these angels brought at Christmas of not only the announcement of the birth of Jesus, but the acknowledgement of our fears and our anxieties as, as, as people, it begins with the angels. And the, the word angel, some of you might know this, is actually their job description. If you're taking some notes, just a couple thing on, uh, things on angels here. The word angel means messenger. So when we, when we actually say the name angel, the term itself is their job description. Um, hark the herald angel sing, you know? It's the, a herald is a, is a, was someone who brought news. And specifically for the Christmas story in Jesus, good news, which is what the word gospel is. It's, it's good news. And the angels were the first ones to, to message and herald that good news of, of the birth of, of Jesus. And so specifically, God sends his angel Gabriel to deliver the message of Christmas to each of these people and these, these stories in the gospel. 
And on the night that, that, that Jesus is born, of course, Gabriel is, is joined by a, a multitude, you know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels to, to announce to, to the shepherds. Uh, so the, angel, uh, the angels are, are first and foremost messengers. They, they bring the message of, of God to, to people. Um, David said this in his psalm, maybe this is helpful as we try to just kind of understand who are the angels and what do they do and why do they exist? Uh, David said this in Psalm 8, verses 3 through 5. He said, when I look at your heavens, he's, he's praying to God. He says, when I look at your heavens, the, the work of your fingers, God, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you should care for him. And listen to this, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, angels, and crowned him with glory and with honor. So somehow in God's created order, uh, man, humans are just a little bit lower than the angels. And yet uh, God says that we are the crown of his creation and humans, mankind are the only ones that are made in the image of God, that, that are made like God. And yet David says that the, the angels themselves, as we study them, are, are, are a little bit higher. They're just a, they're a little bit lower, uh, or a little bit higher than, than God. Man, man is just a little bit lower than angels. It's interesting. Angels are spiritual beings that are created by God. So lest we think that somehow the angels are uh, on par with God or equal with God, not at all. They are part of God's created order. Uh, they were created. Um, we know that all the world was made by God through Jesus, John chapter 1. So some people think the angels are sort of on par with God or, or um, take on this, you know, kind of uh, deity in and of themselves, not at all. In fact, it speaks directly against the purpose of the angels as messengers of God. They were created to to bring God glory, glory to God in the highest, right? So they don't have equal status with God. Uh, somehow in God's created order, humans are made a little bit lower than the angels. And we know that the angels as spiritual beings created by God do a couple things specifically. Overall, again, their job description is to be a messenger, a herald of God's good news, but they battle for God's people, and we see that all throughout the, the scriptures, not just in the Christmas narrative, but all throughout the biblical narrative that angels are not only delivering messages to God's people, but they're battling on their behalf. And so I'll just highlight really quickly because we just finished a series on Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 10, we see both Gabriel and Michael mentioned in chapter 10. By the way, the only two angels that are mentioned by name in the Bible, Gabriel and Michael. And then we see, uh, we, we see a host of other angels appear in the Christmas narrative and other places, but these are the only two angels that are mentioned by name. And in Daniel chapter 10, you'll remember that they're battling with a prince of Persia, another spiritual being, a demonic spiritual being, that's trying to keep them from doing what? From bringing the message to Daniel, which was their job. And, and, and so they say, hey, we, we had to battle with this demonic force uh, to be able to get here and give you this message. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter six that we don't battle against flesh and blood, that we, our battle, our war is against principalities and powers and authorities of darkness. And so angels are a battle on behalf of God's people. And we see that in the biblical narrative as a part of their, their job description. And then their, their heaven's worship team, if you will. 
right? So in John's vision of the throne room in the book of Revelation, when Isaiah in Isaiah 6 has his vision of God's throne room, uh, he's surrounded by angels and different types of angels. And they're all glorifying God and worshiping him night and day. It never stops. So angels are these created beings that uh, bring worship to God. They glorify God. They, they deliver messages. They battle on behalf of, 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 of God's people. And then, then finally, just a, a short teaching here on angels. The angel's existence, this is interesting, is never defended in the Bible. It's always assumed. So they were created in God's created order, but the account of their creation isn't mentioned in the Bible. They're just, they're always assumed as a part of God's created order. And so it, it, interestingly, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews, you may remember in chapter 13, speaking about the activity and the work of the angels as God's messengers and uh, doing war and battle on our behalf. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says in, in chapter 13, verse two, to, to give hospitality to strangers. Do you remember this? Give hospitality to strangers because in doing so, many of you have entertained angels unaware. Which is like, how does that work? And I don't know. But somehow these spiritual beings created by God to be his messengers can also take on the appearance of people and move among us. And the Bible clearly says that as we give hospitality and we care and we're kind to other people, some of us have entertained angels unaware. Maybe you have a story about that. Um, but God clearly says that's possible. So getting to our text today in Luke chapter 1. So the gospel of Luke, right, was written by Luke, who was a physician. Uh, Luke was also a, a first-rate historian. Uh, Luke authored the gospel that carries his name, but also the book of Acts. Did you know that? And the book of Luke and the book of Acts are written as one narrative. So the book of Luke, of course, is the story of Jesus, uh, his life and, and his ministry. And the book of Acts is the story of the church and its, its birth and its, and its work in the world. And so what's interesting is we kind of jump into our narrative today on Zechariah and, and Elizabeth and the, the message of the angel to them of, of Christmas, meeting them and their, their deepest longings and fears that the book of Luke, right, written by Luke is all about Jesus. And in fact, he says in the first four verses, you can go and read it yourself. He says, you know, I wrote this account. I took eyewitness accounts from other people and I, I wanted to write, Luke says, an orderly account uh, to someone named Theophilus, which might mean actually, because it means God's people, that's what the word means. So it might be a generic word, Theophilus there, to mean all of God's people, us, the church. I wanted to give you an orderly account, Luke says, from eyewitnesses in the first century of Jesus and his work among us so that you might be certain of what you've believed. That's the purpose statement of the gospel of Luke. All about Jesus and us being certain about Jesus. But here's what's really interesting, guys. The name Jesus doesn't appear in the first 30 verses of the Gospel of Luke. And I think this is really interesting, especially in, the, in terms of the Christmas story, because the first story that's mentioned in Luke is the story that we're talking about today of Zachariah and Elizabeth. And so again, th this whole premise that the Christmas story is nested in our stories. And Luke begins telling us an orderly account of who Jesus is and what he did for us by telling us first this very human story 
of two people who had all kinds of disappointments and fears, who were trying to serve God, but were doing it with a broken heart. And we find their story in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. I'm going to ask you if you're able to stand to your feet and let me read it for you. The angel did say to Zechariah and Elizabeth, beginning in verse 5, Luke chapter 1, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, the first time the Holy Spirit's mentioned in the gospel, even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now. And my wife is also well along in years. Is it just a point there, guys? He didn't say my wife is old. He said, I'm an old, <laughs> said, I'm an old man and my wife is it, well along in years. Smart. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. Listen to this. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. That's this role, this messengers. That's what they do. But now since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until this child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. The word of God to you today. You may be seated. Thank you. Elizabeth and Zachariah were both from priestly families, right? Zechariah is in the order of Abijah, if you want to want to just underline that in your Bible. And this is important because there were there were 24 priestly divisions in Israel during the first century. There were 18,000 priests in Israel during the first century. And so each of them would sort of serve like two weeks a year, like, like in the National Guard or something. They would come to Jerusalem and they would serve these, these one-week stints. But here's the interesting thing is that they would cast a lot every day to see which of the priests would enter into the temple to burn daily incense that were burned at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. in the temple every single day to offer prayers to God. And once you were chosen, you could never serve again. You got one day to do that. 
And on this day in Luke chapter one, Zechariah is selected to, to serve in the temple, to, to burn incense and to offer prayers on behalf of all the people of God in the temple that day. You know, again, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and just learning a little bit more of their stories. Yeah, he's a, they're both from a priestly order, but there's 18,000 of them. They're pretty common. And moreover, what we learn about their story is that they're, they're righteous in God's eyes. They're trying to do the things that God has told them, and yet they're carrying a disappointment in their heart. What is the disappointment? They've never been given a, a child. They've prayed and they've prayed and they've prayed, but, but God seems to have not heard their, their prayers and, and answered them in the way that they they had so longed for, for a child. And now they're, they're advanced in years, as Zachariah says. I'm old and my wife is advanced in years. And so, so, so they've learned to kind of make friends, see if you resonate with this, with disappointment. They've just sort of resolved in their hearts that God isn't going to hear this prayer, that he's not going to, to answer this, this prayer. You know, for each of us, see if you agree with us, disappointment is such a difficult teacher, right? It's such a difficult teacher. And I want to say this, that, that being righteous and, and doing the things that the Lord has asked you to do, which Elizabeth and Zechariah do, we, we know that right here from the text, it, it, it doesn't exempt you from disappointment. You know, like, like following God in order in your life and the way that God's asked you to doesn't exempt us from from disappointments and, and hurt and pain. And I can just imagine for Elizabeth and Zachariah, even as Zachariah is serving so, so faithfully, just like he's always done as a priest, that there's a, there's a scab that has, has, has kind of just gotten hard over his heart to this prayer that seems to not have been answered. And then this happens. Then Christmas happens. And the very first story in the Christmas narrative that Luke wants to write as an orderly account that we might be certain of what we have believed is the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it's, it's in the context, Gabriel's message comes in the context of something very ordinary, right? It was, uh, look at the word here, it was, as was the custom, Luke says. I mean, this was a customary thing. This is something that happened all the time. You would go to Jerusalem as a priest, you would serve, uh, you would cast a lot. Uh, a priest would go in and burn incense every single day at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. This was a very ordinary thing. But here's maybe the first application for us from the, the, the text of Gabriel's message. And what the angel did say is that your ordinary, our ordinary together, the things that are custom to us can be the context of God's extraordinary. That we should not underestimate just the, the daily practice of, of following God. And it's in that custom of, of Zachariah doing what he's always done of being a dutiful priest, even carrying the disappointment probably privately at this point in his heart of God's unanswered prayer that God shows up. And I want you to, to, to look at verse 12 with me specifically. Zechariah, when he sees, you know, the angel in the temple there, just like we would, he's, he's very, it's a very human response, right? He's, look at the adjectives here. He's, he's shaken. He's overwhelmed with what? With fear. He's overwhelmed with fear when he sees the angel. And then this sets up, of course, the, the prevailing message all throughout the Christmas narrative in these four ways where Gabriel says, don't, don't be afraid. That the primary message that's given through the messengers, the angels, 
to, to, to uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth, to Joseph, to Mary, to the shepherds is don't be afraid. Don't let fear take over your heart. There's something, just, pay, just watch this, guys. There's something that fear does to, to block the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and here's what I want to say. It doesn't mean that as humans, as broken people, that we don't experience the emotion of fear. Of course we do. What it means is that we're not overwhelmed by it and it doesn't take control of us. And we don't begin to speak with fear and act out of fear. We're able to, to allow the Holy Spirit to overwhelm, overcome our fear and help us to be filled with faith. So your ordinary can be the context for God's extraordinary first thing I wanna teach. And then second thing, just by way of application in this story, this, this very first story of the Christmas story, Zechariah and Elizabeth is that the Lord is gracious. Look at verses 14 through 17. Uh, Gabriel begins to deliver the message of God, the, the news of John the Baptist and, and who he will be and, and all the things that are, that are meant to happen to precede Jesus, which was, which was prophesied about. But John's name, some of you may know this, John's name means the Lord is gracious. So just in the name of Zachariah and Elizabeth's son is the message of God to their hearts that God has heard your prayers, that, that the Lord is gracious. And then again, if you're following with me, verse 15 is the first mention of the Holy Spirit in Luke's gospel. And that the Holy Spirit is gonna be working in the heart of John even before he's born. And he's gonna be set apart, look at verses 16 and 17. He's gonna be set apart for this very important task of, of preparing the way for the Lord and turning the hearts of Israel towards Jesus. And then specifically, and I, I love this phrase that he's, he's gonna turn the hearts of fathers towards their children. And he's gonna turn the hearts of children, particularly rebellious children, back to godly wisdom. And then very vividly, and this would have been so meaningful for Zachariah and Elizabeth um, as, as, as being born into priestly families that the spirit of Elijah, the prophet, is gonna be upon John. You say, well, why is that important? A lot of people say that John, who was the forerunner to Jesus, of course, the beginning of the Christmas narrative, was the last of the, the Hebrew or the Old Testament prophets. And there was a prophecy that Elijah was going to revisit the people of Israel and do just what's prophesied about John. And so John was the fulfillment of this prophecy and Zechariah and Elizabeth would have, they would have known that. Just, just to highlight here real quickly, isn't it amazing that these two people that carried probably so much disappointment and their hearts have been scabbed because of maybe not feeling like God had heard their prayers or answered their, their, their prayers. People that, that, that had probably given up on that prayer and forgotten about it. So, so let's just recap. People who were disappointed, who had probably forgotten about even their prayer or that, the thought that God can answer it, that they're the first people that God brings the message of Christmas to and in many ways, Zachariah and Elizabeth, who were dutiful and doing the things that were righteous in God's eyes, but still filled with disappointment and fear, were emblematic of all of Israel and all of humanity. And God chooses their story to nest his story of redemption, the story of Jesus, through. And here's the final thing today. Just Gabriel's message and just really more of an application for us today from this story uh, God, is, is that you? 
Is this you? And why do I say that? Because look at what happens in verses 18 through 20. When, when Zechariah in the temple, just go there for a second in your mind's eye, he's burning incense. Gabriel appears to him, he's shaken, he's overwhelmed. He says, you know, Gabriel says, hey, don't be afraid. You and Elizabeth are gonna have a child. You're to name him John. Uh, the Lord is gracious. The Holy Spirit's gonna be on his life. He's gonna use him in many ways to prepare Israel for Messiah. And then look at, look at the response here. Zechariah says to the angel, how can I be sure? Any of you ever said that to God before? Yeah, I know that you're speaking, God. I know that you heard me, but how can I be sure? I want to, I want to be sure. All of us want to be sure in this life, don't we? We, we, we crave and desire certainty in, in an uncertain world. And Zachariah is just like us. God, how can I be sure that you're really working? How can I be sure that you really heard me, that you've really heard our prayers? You know, Luke, who's writing all this down, and the other disciples, early disciples who helped to feed into this Christmas narrative and shared the story with Luke to write down an orally account, will not allow us to mistake Zachariah for someone who's meant to be glorified. I mean, these, these sub-characters of Christmas are not the point. They're not the star of the story. Zechariah, even though he's dutiful and he's doing the things that God's asked him to do, he still has doubts. He still wonders, is God really working? And look at how Gabriel answers him. He says, I'm Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God. Think about that. And I came from the presence of God to you. That's my job as a messenger. And he says, hey, Zechariah, because you, because you didn't believe what God was speaking, you're not going to be able to speak. And this was just a vivid reminder for Zechariah of the power of God. And actually, this is fascinating to me, it actually was a confirmation. His muteness was a confirmation that God had actually heard him. And it's like, and maybe this is true for many of us, and maybe this is the application for us today. It's like God had to had to stop him from talking so he could hear, so he could really listen. And then Zechariah comes out of the temple just to finish today. And in verses 21 through 25, people can tell, right, that something's different with this guy. Like what was custom and all the priests going in there every single day at 9 and 3 p.m., this something happened in there. And Zachariah is not able to speak to them. And then it's really interesting, like, as we think about the Christmas narrative, being told to other people for the first time through the prophecy of John being fulfilled and what was going to come after that in Jesus. The first time the Christmas story was told outside the temple steps that day, it's through gestures. And maybe this was the greatest game of uh, gestures ever played, right? Zechariah comes out and starts signaling what happened in there. And can you imagine trying to sign and signal seeing Gabriel and the message that was given to him? And so people are trying to figure out what's going on. And Zechariah finishes his duty, which I think is amazing. He doesn't just go home. He finishes his week and then he goes home to Elizabeth and he shares. And the Bible says that they conceive a son and they seclude for five months. And the word that's used there is, is they say to God in hearing their prayers, because remember their biggest fear, God, you, you, you haven't heard us. You haven't heard us. Their prayer to God is thank you for being so kind. 
Thank you for being so kind and hearing us. And in this, to me, just this incredible, beautiful way, God sets the story of Jesus, the Christmas story, in our story. N.T. Wright says it this way, just in closing. When God acts on the large scale, he takes care of the smaller human concerns as well. Our needs, our hopes, our fears are not forgotten in the larger story precisely because of who God is. He's the God of lavish, self-giving love. And now the story that takes center stage, the Christmas story, the true story of God is now, because of that, the story of the world and every single human who's ever lived in it. And that's exactly how God and Luke intended it to be. God's story coming to our story. All of our fears and our anxieties and our worries being answered, not just with an announcement, but with an acknowledgement that God hears us, that he sees us, that he's, that he's with us, and he's coming for us. Bottom line today, fear not, God has heard your prayer. God has heard your prayer. And his ultimate answer, dear friends, was Christmas. It was Jesus, God with us. To him alone be the glory today.